Uh, as I come to speak and you come to listen, I wonder how easy you find it to listen. Um, many people think it's hard to stand up the front and talk. Oh, I couldn't do that. Like, you've got to learn how to talk. But, but learning to listen is another skill in itself. Um, I, I don't know if you think you're a good listener. Who thinks they're a good listener? <laughs> you can put your hand up. You're allowed to be a good listener. It's okay, right? But also, that means those who don't, it's like, oh, man, I really struggle to be a good listener. And I wonder, you know, I've, I've learned, particularly over the last few years, it's a skill you can develop. You can develop the skill of learning to listen. Um, and what you realize is when you know you're not a good listener, um, you discover a couple of things start becoming a problem. One is your mind wanders. You know, someone's talking and, and they say something and then your mind goes off there. Or maybe you're an interrupter. You know, they want to talk and then you want to talk about your thing as well. You know, and before you realize it, they're not really talking anymore. You're the one who's doing all the talking. And I don't know if you can kind of restrain your mind from the wandering or even just tune in to hearing someone speak. I, over the last couple of years, as I've done some of my coaching development, I've really been trying to develop becoming a better listener. And what I've discovered in that is that I have to kind of turn on my listening mode. So inherently, I'm not actually a great listener. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a talker. And I, my mind races, and so often things, you know, occur. And so um, I can be in like a normal conversation, and I'm not great. But when I focus and, and realize I'm going to be a listener in this moment, it's like a muscle that I have to, I have to work on. It's like, okay, just dial down the voice inside. Just, okay, stop that. Keep listening, what they're saying, keep listening, what they're saying. No, don't interrupt. Just, you know, and it's a muscle I've had to develop. And I've realized in that that sometimes it can be hard to listen. Um, if someone is a monotone speaker, it can be hard to keep focus, right? I was on a call the other day at work, and this person, they just kept going up at the end of their sentences, and all they would do would have this little melody whenever they're talking, and I'm trying not to laugh on this call, right? This is so hysterical, right? You know, and some people just talk so slow. Or if you're listening to me, you're like, how many words per minute can I fit in? Can you please slow down, please? I can't, you know, different people have these different paces. And, you know, hearing is easy, but listening is hard. You know, we can hear stuff, but actually really listening can be really hard to do. And that's when someone's in front of you. That's when they're like looking you eye to eye. And so when I want us to think this morning about listening to God, we're all the same all the same challenges happen, and they're a little bit amplified sometimes. The idea of us listening to God. I don't know how easy you find it to hear God speak to you. Maybe you, maybe you don't even get it. You're like, how does God speak to you? Or maybe you're like, hey, he used to speak to me, but I don't hear him so often. Or, or maybe you, I wonder if you've got a heart and a yearning that's like, I really want to hear God speak. And I'm not talking about this moment here. And come on Sunday morning, God's going to speak. I mean, like, in our lives, in our everyday lives, the longing and the desire to hear God speak. And that's what I want to think about and talk about this morning and for you to listen to and tune into. So this morning, um, the, the message is, here I am, willing to listen. And so if you're only visiting today, you won't really know the flow of this. We, we've been doing a, a six-part series. This is part four. We had a little break for Testimony Sunday last week about here I am. 
and looking at the different characters in the Bible that when God was speaking, their response was, here I am. So week one we did about um, Abraham and Isaac and here I'm willing to sacrifice. And we spoke about here I'm willing to leave where Jacob was called to leave, and here I am willing to go where Moses was willing to go. And this week we're thinking about, here I am willing to listen. And we're going to be in 1 Samuel. We're going to think about the story of Samuel. If you've had your, your um, Sunday school, your junior church upbringing, you're going to be familiar with this story. And if you're not, don't worry, we'll cover it off. So if you've got a Bible, we're going to be in 1 Samuel chapter 3. But let me just give you a little bit of the backstory for this, of where this fits in. So the book of 1 Samuel and 2 Samuel, you would think would be about the life of Samuel, especially since he's a main character at the beginning, but it's not really. 1 Samuel and 2 Samuel is really about the kings, about the early kings, about King Saul and King David. But it starts with this character of Samuel. And, and, and before the kings arrive in the, in the history of the people of Israel, um, God puts in place a prophet, someone who's going to speak, this, this child Samuel. Now Samuel is what we call a miracle child. There's many of them in the Bible, before we get to Jesus, who is a miracle child. Mainly, you know, women who couldn't conceive, who were not conceiving, and God brought around a, a special time for a baby to be born. And this was true for a lady called Hannah and her husband, Elkanah. And, and, and Hannah's prayer was that she could conceive. And, and there's a whole story around um, Hannah praying for that. And Eli, who was the priest at the time, seeing her praying uh, and thinking that she was, because barely words are coming out of her mouth. She's just like mouthing the words. He actually thinks she's a bit drunk, strangely. And she's like, no, I'm, I'm crying out for a child of my own. If I have a child of my own, I'm going to dedicate that child to the service of God. And God honors that prayer and he gives her Samuel. And so Eli is this priest um, in, in, the, in the beginning of the book of Samuel, you can read uh, there. And, and what would normally happen is the priestly line would carry on through the family. But God's got a different plan because Eli's got two, two boys. And um, I love this. This, um, this isn't really where I'm going from, but just to give you a bit of backstory. If you look at 1 Samuel 2, verse 12, I wonder how your passage, how your translation translates it. Mine says, now the sons of Eli were worthless men. <laughs> What a compliment. The sons of Eli were worthless men. They didn't know the Lord. And it goes on there to talk about basically this, this word worthless is a hard translation. But basically it's like these are people who don't honor God. They, they don't honor God. They dishonor the temple. Um, they engage. And what did my little notes say? This, this phrase um, connotes vile persons. It's used to in, those who incite idolatry, those who incite insurrection, those who are sexually immoral or who are liars. This is what this phrase is attributed to Eli's children. And so this priestly line is not going to come through Eli. And actually we start to see, and I'll cover this a little bit later, that, that God's looking a bit um, harsh upon Eli, saying, Eli, you've got to sort your boys out. You've got to sort this out. This is meant to be my temple, and your own children are defiling my temple and the temple practices. And so God wants to raise a prophet, and it's in that context that, that Hannah's praying for a child. Eli's got children who are not following God and honoring him in any way. They're actually quite the opposite. And God raises Samuel to be born, and Hannah dedicates Samuel to the service of God. And so she, after she's weaned the child, so in her young years, she brings Samuel to the temple, to Eli, and says, this child is for God's service. 
And so his upbringing is in the temple with Eli. And here's where we pick it up in 1 Samuel chapter 3. These verses will come up on the screen, but it might be good if you look at it in your own Bible as well. So this is where the story picks up in 1 Samuel chapter 3. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord, where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, Here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. But Eli said, I didn't call you. Go back and lie down. So he went and lay down. Again the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. My son, Eli said, I didn't call. Go back and lie down. Now Samuel didn't yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. A third time the Lord called Samuel, and Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, Go and lie down. And if he calls you, say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Oh, so Samuel went and lay down in his place. The Lord came and stood there, calling as at the other time, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, Speak, for your servant is listening. And the Lord said to Samuel, See, I'm about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears about it tingle. And then God carries on with this, this word. Uh, yeah, ignore my slides, I'm not at point one yet. Samuel has this experience where God is speaking to him and he is not recognising it's the voice of God. And it's a really interesting point for us, especially if you've been with us through the series. You know, I said in week one about God calls us sometimes to sacrifice things, to put him first and to lay some things down. But what is God saying? How would you know it? If God, like the story for... Um, uh, for Jacob, where God caused him to go, uh, and well, to leave where he was, how would you know if you don't hear what God is saying? All these things about being sacrificed and willing to go, willing to leave, all these things, they're contingent upon actually hearing God's voice. And so this bit here is quite pinnacle, it's quite key. I can have all the other sermons about God might be calling you to go here, or speak to this person, or do this, or do that. If you don't hear God's voice, then you won't know. So this is kind of key, really, for maybe for the whole series, that we know what God is saying. And so much of it really hinges on the reason why this is titled is, Here I'm Willing to Listen. So much is, is hinges on us being willing to listen to God. And I don't just mean obey what he says, but actually willing to listen, like you are right now. You have made a choice to listen to what I'm saying. You made a choice not to have a conversation amongst yourselves. You made a choice not to sit there flicking through your Facebook, hopefully. I don't know, right? right? You've made that choice because you've said, I want to listen to this. And so the question for us is, are we a people who are willing to listen to God, who have a hunger and a thirst to hear what he says? And so point one, I want to say is, about being willing to listen and not hearing. This, this passage started in verse 1 of chapter 3 saying, 
The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. And so before I get into us kind of hearing God and how the ways we hear God, I want to start with where this passage starts with a recognition that there are times and places and seasons where it's like, I'm really trying to listen, but I'm not hearing God. This passage acknowledges that. This was in a season and a time when God speaking was rare. It was like a quiet period. And that that was true for this nation, but it might be true for us as individually. You might have times and seasons where you're like, I really used to hear God a lot, but right now it's pretty quiet. Um, a chap called Pete Gregg um, wrote a book called God, is, uh, God on Mute. Um, I was reminded of that because my Audible player reminded me that I downloaded this book a few months ago and I haven't read it yet. And I saw this little notification. I found this quite interesting. I was preparing to preach and a little notification comes up and Audible says, don't forget to read God on Mute. And I thought, that's quite interesting, really. So I haven't read the book, but I, I used Google like we do for these things and, uh, and said, so summarize the book for me. And interestingly, uh, Pete Gregg says that, that in his book about God on Mute, there's a number of reasons and causes at times why we find that God is silent. So you maybe need to read the book, but it's interesting, some of these headlines, he said, you know, some of it can be due to sin. Some of it can be due to our doubting that God will speak to us and our doubts in our life. Some of it can be just the noise of life. So much is going on that we don't have the space and time and the energy to listen to God. Some of it is we're too impatient and we say, God, speak, and he hasn't said anything yet, and we rush off and we're not willing to wait. And some of it is just this mystery of, well, why, why is God not speaking at this time? And sometimes God speaks, but not in the way we expect him to. Now, in this story, what's fascinating here is often the focus is on Samuel. God speaks to Samuel. If you've heard the story and the children's stories and all this stuff, it's all about Samuel. But you've got to stop and go, well, hang on, there was a priest story there. Why did God not speak to Eli? It wasn't like there wasn't a priest. Samuel's pretty young. God could have spoken to Eli. Why was God not speaking much? And particularly, why was he not speaking to Eli? Now, for Eli, the reason was really clear. For Eli, the reason God was silent was his sin was getting in the way. His sons and the, the, this um, stuff that was going on with the temple and the way they were defiling God and dishonoring him, and, and Eli was allowing this to happen. He's trying his best with these boys, but he's not getting them in line. He's not protecting God's honor. We read in verse 13 of chapter 3, for I told him, this is, this is part of the message that God gives to Samuel, for I told him that I would judge his family forever because of the sin he knew about. His sons utterly blasphemed, uh, his sons uttered blasphemies against God and he failed to restrain them. And I just want us to start by recognizing that I am a massive, massive fan of grace. Oh my goodness me, I don't think we understand the depths of grace enough. I really don't. I'm, I'm a massive um, anti against when people say, I'm not a very good Christian. You don't understand what that means. You, you don't have to earn anything. God's grace and favor is poured out upon you. And so don't get me wrong here. Grace is massive about our salvation and God's love is not contingent upon what we've done. He pours it out undeservingly. But also, we mustn't ignore the fact that there are times and places where our own lifestyle, our own behavior gets in the way of God speaking. And actually, in God's grace, he restrains himself. 
because he wants to draw us back to him. Those barren times are times when God says, I want you to yearn after me. There's a song that we sing and there's a, a passage in the Bible that says, as the deer pants for the water, I'm longing after you, God. God at times says, you know what, when our lifestyles, and, and, and that can be our sin, or that can be our busyness, that can be our ignoring of God, when our lifestyles get in the way, he's like, you know what, I want you to long for those days. We, um, we've, as you know, we've moved home recently, and life has been a bit topsy-turvy. And because of that, our eating has been completely up the wall, right? You know, there's often not the right things in the fridge or the freezer, and we're like, oh, what are we going to eat now? Or the kitchen's completely covered in dust, so we haven't got a kitchen we can work from. And so we've been having way too many takeaways and ad hoc food, and that's not nice. If you've ever experienced that, you have these times you're like, I just long for real food. My body is telling me it doesn't want another takeaway. It doesn't want another fast food thing. Right? Those things that used to be treats when you were young, now they're like, can you give me a proper meal, please? Our body says, I'm not being fed properly. And it longs for some proper food. And that's what can happen spiritually. That dryness, we're like, where is God in this? It's God going, I want you to long for those times with me. In the book of Hosea, in Hosea 2.14, it says this, Therefore, I'm now going to allure her. He's talking about his church. He's talking about Israel at the time, but his people. I'm going to allure her. I'll lead her into the wilderness to speak tenderly to her. So she wants to realize sometimes when, when we're in that barren place, when we're like, I'm not hearing enough of God's voice, that God said, I want to draw you even into a wilderness place so that you can hear me speak tenderly. I want you to take time out so that you can hear it. When you're in a season when God is silent, he can still speak. That's the, that's the hope at the beginning of this passage. The word of the Lord was rare, but then God speaks. And so just because you might be in a, 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 a barren place, a silent place, a place where you're like, where is God? He wants to raise our expectations. says he can speak. And he wants to speak. And he wants us to hear his voice. I mean, if I'm honest with you, I, I think about, I mean, I've, I've been in the church as long as, I think Dave and Viv and us and Karen, we've probably been in the church the longest since it started, very, very first started, I think. Maybe Vanessa, you might have been there at the beginning. Dave and Ros very soon after. Yeah, right, so some of us have been there a long, long time. And I think, when I think back at the history of our church, there were times and seasons when, in our worship time, what we just had with all the prayers, we'd have multiple words from God. People would hear what God was saying and would share it. And some of that is seasonal. And I'll be honest with you, sometimes it was a bit out of whack, really. It's like, you know, there's so-and-so with the same prophecy they have to bring every week because they want to, you know, right? So don't get me wrong, sometimes there's balance here. But I sense that we're in a season where the word of the Lord is rare. Hopefully not from the pulpit, but from the people, from the congregation. I want to let you know, I think we're there. But just because you're there doesn't mean God doesn't want to speak. What he wants is a hunger and a thirst and a longing that says, God, I want to hear your rhema word, your living word, not, not just the word of God, and I'm going to get to that in a moment. But I want to hear your word for me in this moment. And that requires us to be a people who are willing to listen. And expecting God to speak, even in this quiet period that we read here with Samuel. This expectation says the word of the Lord might be rare in this time, 
But Samuel is positioning himself to be ready to hear. You can need your Bible for this. Just in, again, in 1 Samuel, just I want to pick out a few verses as you hear this catalogue of Samuel's life. I said to you, Samuel's been brought to be dedicated to God in the temple. And it's almost like as you read through chapter 2 and into chapter 3, it's almost like every other verse they keep repeating similar phrases about Samuel. In Samuel chapter 2, verse 11, it says, Then Elkanah, that's his father, went home to Ramah, but the boy, that's Samuel, ministered before the Lord under Eli the priest. That's verse 11. Verse 18, only seven verses later. But Samuel was ministering before the Lord, a boy wearing a linen ephod. The ephod is, a, is a, um, uh, uh, an item of clothing that the, the priest would wear. So he's, he's moving into a priestly role. In verse 21, only three verses later, just at the end, it says, Meanwhile, the boy Samuel grew in the presence of the Lord. In verse 26, just five verses later, and the boy Samuel continued to grow in stature and in favor with the Lord and with people. Before we even get to chapter 3, you hear this thing all through chapter 2 where Samuel is continuing to be with the Lord, continuing to be in his presence. Some verses say that he ministered to the Lord. Some verses say he ministered before the Lord. Some say ministered for the Lord. He's there positioning himself in this place. And I love this verse 26 that we just read. Just hear it again. And the boy Samuel continued to grow in stature and in favor with the Lord and with people. What I love about that is in Luke 2, 52, it says this, And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. They're like these little mirror verses. It's like Samuel's being Christ-like before Christ has even appeared on the planet. Samuel is emulating the life that's to come through Jesus. He's pointing to us to say, this is what it looks like to be a person who hears. It's someone who positions himself that says, I want to grow in Christ. I want to grow in the presence of God. I want to position myself to be ready to hear. The voice of God is heard in the presence of God. And that's why so often it happens in a church setting. But that's tragedy. It shouldn't just be in a church setting where we go, I really felt God speak to me. He says, I want you to experience that presence with me 24-7. I want you to experience that throughout your day and your week and through your highs and your lows. I want you to be a people who are positioned to listen to me. I wonder what it looks like to minister to the Lord or for the Lord or in the presence of God. This is what Samuel was like. Before that voice came... He was ministering for the Lord. He was ministering before the Lord. I, I, I reflected myself of kind of what does it take for me to hear the voice of God? And just to shatter any illusions, it, it's not a 24-7 experience for me. I have some barren periods. I have some times when I feel so close and I feel so evident. And other times when I'm like, is there anything up there? Right? And those are those periods where I'm like, I'm longing for you, God. I'm searching for you. I'm needing to make sure I'm not eating the junk food, but I'm actually feasting on what's good for me. And what I've discovered is it takes time and patience. And it takes trust. It takes trust that, God, you are going to speak to me. This 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 is a God who's a speaking God. And it takes that faith and that risk that says, I think God might be saying something. 
Now, the Bible gives us many examples of how God speaks. It's really interesting. I find, you know, if you think about what I've preached for the, the previous three, um, with, you know, the, God spoke to Abraham, go and sacrifice your son. You're like, how did he speak to him? There's no great description. We know from this one that there's an audible voice for Samuel. And the same was true, actually, with the burning bush. When Moses, he, he sees this bush and he hears the voice of God speaking. And when Jesus was being baptized, it said that this voice came out of heaven. So there's definitely biblical evidence for the fact that God sometimes speaks audibly. I don't mean just in your head. I mean, like, out there. I have never experienced it personally. Has anyone experienced an audible voice of God? Yeah. It happens. But I don't think it's that common. But there's biblical support for it. You're not going crazy, right? The Bible supports it. Just once. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the Bible's got biblical support for God speaking out loud. It's also got biblical support for dreams and visions. So Jacob... Uh, had a dream in Genesis. He had a dream of this ladder. God speaks to him through it. Daniel has a bunch of dreams and visions that God uses to speak to him. Joseph is warned in a, in a dream actually not to go back to Egypt um, with, uh, with his brothers. And Paul saw a, a vision of Jesus on the road to Damascus. How many people here have had dreams or visions. I find it a more common way. Like I said to you, sometimes I have some dreams, like sleeping dreams, and I wake up and I'm like, God, was you speaking there? I've had a couple of times when I'm, I really have known in my spirit, or really sensed that this was not a normal dream that God was speaking. And other times, like my dream the other day, where I'm like, we had about 80 people visiting the church and a new worship band. I'm like, I don't know. Maybe that was God speaking. I don't know. I don't, I genuinely don't know. But if in three or four years' time I see 80 people here in a different worship band, I might look back and go, that was God speaking in that dream. But knowing that God can speak out loud means you can be open to it. Knowing that God could give you a vision, a picture, that you go, was that my imagination? Or did God just give me that picture? Waking up in the morning going, was that just me dreaming? Or was God speaking to me through that this is where the faith and the risk comes in that's like yeah but what if i'm wrong the bible gives us support for the holy spirit speaking to us and this is the this is the voice in your head there's an audible one outside but there's a time when you think i think god's actually speaking to me in my mind the holy spirit's at work Jesus actually promised that. He said to the disciples, he said, the Holy Spirit's going to come and remind you of things that I've said. So when you have those times and you're like, oh, there's a scripture about that. Oh, oh so-and-so preached about that once. That's the Holy Spirit reminding you of what is said. The Holy Spirit spoke to Peter and said, I want you to go to Cornelius' house. Spoke to him in his mind, telling him where to go, what to do. He spoke to the church to send Paul and Barnabas to Antioch. The, the Holy Spirit speaks. How many people have had a voice inside your head where you think it might be God speaking to you? How many of you have had yourself talking to yourself as well? <laughs> All right, it's challenging, isn't it? It's challenging to... Uh, what is my... Oh, that's a joy. 
No, I don't want to rate this app. There we go. It's challenging because we know we can get it wrong. So my third point of view is we're willing to listen and be careful. Samuel heard God speak three times and three times got it wrong. Didn't realize God was speaking, thought it was Eli speaking. And most of the time I think we're worried it's the opposite way around. We hear God speaking and we're worried that it's not God speaking. Because the reality is we can get it wrong. And that's why I thought I said this a few weeks ago. You know, for me, I really try to resist the temptation of saying, the Lord is saying. Because I realize it's come through this fallible person. What I try and say is, I think God might be saying something. Because I might not. I might get it wrong. But the great confidence is that Jesus said... You know what, when you're part of my family, when you're my sheep, if he's the shepherd, he says, you're like the sheep. When the shepherd comes along and they recognize that voice, the sheep know the voice of the shepherd. That's what Jesus said in the, in the Gospel of John. He said, my sheep know my voice. He says that about us, that there's a, there's a familiarity that's, that's not only within us, but grows within us, that we get used to hearing what God sounds like. And to be honest with you, I don't know what your experience is like. The voice inside my head when God is speaking sounds exactly like the voice inside my head when I'm speaking. He hasn't got a different accent. Right? He doesn't speak with these and thous or in a booming voice. But I know, or I think I know, it's God speaking by the way he speaks. Because I know the sorts of things that he says. That's the voice for me. That's the, that's the way I read this bit about the sheep knowing his voice. Because I'm like, that's the sort of thing they would say. It's a bit like if someone said to you, oh, you know, if you, you're nearest and dearest or a member of your family, someone passes a message on for them and they try and pretend it's from them and they say something they would never say. You're like, I'm not sure that's them. We all get it, don't we, right? The phone calls from your bank. This is your bank calling to say that we've had a fraudulent transaction and you're about to be arrested. So can you tell me your pin number? You're like, I don't know if that's the sort of thing that my bank's going to say, actually. Right? Hopefully you recognize that, that it's not true. Because there's an acknowledgement of like, this doesn't sound like what Jesus says. Now the greatest revelation of what Jesus says is in this very book. That's why so many of us encourage you to read the book, to read the Bible. It will surprise you what God does say. It will surprise you what he doesn't say. It was really interesting when Paul was writing to the Galatians, he said to them, the gospel, so basically the message of the book, the gospel, the good news, that you are a sinner, that Jesus died on a cross for your sins, he paid the price as a free gift, and you can have eternal life. That message, he said, is so important, the truth of this word is so important, that even if an angel turns up in front of you and says something different, don't believe him. Don't believe, and you think, hang on, if an angel turns up, they might, he's like, no, 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 this truth is so solid, is so dependable, is so true, that if you have some other revelation that looks sensational but doesn't line up with this truth, then don't believe it. And so that's why it's so important. Yeah, we need to hear the voice of God. Yeah, we need to hear the revelation of God. But if it doesn't line up with Scripture, then it's probably just my imagination. Or it's my insecurity, or my doubts, or my fears, or the enemy, or something else. I, I, I have some messages that I want to 
kind of um, give you some call to action, some sort of what do you do now, and some I just want to equip you. And so I just want to kind of wrap up by equipping you with, I want us to be a people who listen, willing to listen, take the time and the space to listen, but how do we know whether it's God or not? I'm going to give you five quick things. One, check it against Scripture. If you think God's saying something and it doesn't line up with this word, then it's not God speaking. Okay. Those online. If you hear something from the pulpit, from a friend, in your own mind, on the telly, on Instagram, and it doesn't line up with the word of God, God's not speaking. You know, 2 Timothy, that scripture up there, says that all scripture is given. It's useful for teaching and rebuking. So don't be surprised if when God's speaking, it challenges you and corrects you, but it also trains you and encourages you. That's what the word of God does. If it doesn't line up with the word of God, it's not God speaking. But also check it against God's character. This is why our relationship with God is so key. If you feel like God's saying to you, I'm not pleased with you. You've been bad this week, haven't you? You've got to try harder. Not good enough. God is not speaking to you, I want to tell you. That's that little opponent of God who wants to whisper in your ear and tell you you're not any good. Because God's character says, I love you, I'm for you, not against you. I've got grace for you, I want to welcome you into my arms. I love you. If what you're hearing is not aligning with God's character, you're not hearing God. God is consistent. That's what this, this verse in, in Numbers says. God's not a man that he should lie. He doesn't flip-flop around. He's consistent with you. He doesn't have an off day with you where he's a bit fed up with you. And where you can go away and come back tomorrow when you've thought about what you've done. That is not the character of God. He's the prodigal God in that story. Go, where's my son? Run back to me. I'm going to run out and meet you with open arms. I'm going to kill the fatted calf and we're going to get some clothes on you and a ring and we're going to celebrate you. That's the father who you are hearing from. If he's not lining up with his character, you're not hearing God. And if you think you're hearing God and all those things, and you're like, I don't know, maybe God's speaking about it or not, pray about it. Not everything has to be action straight away. Wait on it. I think God might be saying that. Maybe he's not. I need to be praying about this. I need to ask for God. I need to come to him. Don't be anxious for anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication supplication and thanksgiving let your request be known to God God I need to hear you is this you speaking can you confirm this can you line up other things can you bring some else that really shows me this is what you're saying God because I want to hear what you're saying fourth talk to someone else a mature Christian that's why God puts us in a church in a family now I want I want to add another word after talk to a mature Christian, which is, and listen to them. Because <laughs> we've all seen it, or maybe you haven't, I've certainly seen it, which is I think God's telling me that I need to, um, to uh, buy 20 lottery tickets because um, he wants to make me a millionaire. And James, I think God's telling me I need to buy 20 lottery tickets. What do you think? And James says, I don't feel like that's God. Maybe James isn't hearing it right. Let me, let me ask you, Ian, I think that goes... Right, if you're going to sit down with someone and say, I think God might be saying this, and they don't agree with you, they may be more wise than you. Right? You might need to listen to them, because Christians are great at going, I'm going to keep going, oh, Chris has finally agreed with me, God has spoken, right? It's like, right, you know, we'll split the winnings, Chris. 
Lastly, be patient. Be patient and wait for peace. There, there's so many times in mine and Karen's life where we've, well, I, mean, I know for us, here I am, you know, we're leading the church, pastoring the church, and, you know, so we've been doing that for eight years. Ten years before we started leading the church, we started to have an inclination that God might be saying that he wants us to pastor not just a church, but this church. And, and as that started to stir, we're like, oh, I don't know, is he, isn't he? I don't know. And we, we, we spoke to other, a couple of other Christians and asked them to pray and see what God was saying. We went away for the day into a really quiet sort of retreat place. And we just waited for peace. We prayed and chatted and read the word of God and got to a place where like, we've got a peace in our heart. This is what God is saying. We're going to wait. We're not going to rush. I mean, it was 10 years until it actually came to fruition. We're going to be patient and wait for the peace of God. Because if God is speaking, he brings peace. He's a God of peace. Now, I've got to say, sometimes his word is quite disruptive, right? And we're like, I can't believe God's saying this. Is he really saying it? Wait for peace. There's a peace that passes understanding sometimes. It's like, well, God's saying it. It's pretty scary, but I feel at peace. When God's saying this, you know, remember this, God loves you. The, 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 the creator of the entire universe wants to speak to you. He wants to speak to you. He wants to, to talk and tell you things. He wants to whisper into your ear. Are we willing to Listen. And what's interesting, I just close with this as a little kind of pointer for you, because again, we can become so self-centered. It's like, well, I need the word from God for me. The context with Samuel's story, you might remember this little phrase about ears tingling at the end of that passage we read, was God said, I've got something to tell you, Samuel, that when others hear it, it's going to make their ears tingle. It wasn't, Samuel, here's my promise for you. It wasn't, Samuel, here's the story I've got for your life. It was, Samuel, I've got something for you that's for other people. And so just recognize that often we're like, I need to hear God about, do I go for this job or not, or do I move home or not, or do I date this person or not, or whatever it is, right? I need to hear it for me. When God's saying, yeah, I do want to speak to you, but what if I want to speak through you? What if I've got something I want to give to you that's for someone else that's going to make their ears prick up and go, whoa, is, is God speaking? Because what's fascinating, I find, is when I think God is speaking to me, I'm like, oh, was it God? Was it? I don't know. I don't know. Oh, I don't know. When someone comes up to me and says, I think God has got a word for you. Can you weigh it up? I'm so much more open. I'm like, oh, wow, I think God might be speaking. And so God has put us not as lone rangers, as people in islands. He's put us in communities, in churches, in families, in in places for us to minister to one another. And so when we're not listening, then we're depriving the rest of the body. I'm missing out on what God might want to say to you, to me. And you're missing out on what someone might want to say to someone else for you. And so let's be open to say, God, you're a speaking God. I want to... I want to be a wise listener, an open listener, a faithful listener, one who goes gently with it of like, I might be wrong here, but I just think God's saying, and let us be a blessing to one another. Because so many things in history 
that people have moved out and done amazing things have come through words that God has given people to share. And who knows what he might have in store that he might use you to share with someone else. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you. Lord, we thank you firstly for your word. Lord, this is rock solid, dependable. We know you're speaking. And Lord, we also thank you, Lord, that you still speak today. We have your word to line up with so we don't go off astray. Some new doctrine, some new wind of doctrine, as you put it in the word, Lord. We thank you for that. But Lord, we thank you that you are a speaking God. And Lord, we want to just firstly say, Lord, we're sorry, Lord, if we've made our lives so busy and so cluttered and our ears so shut that we've not been taking time to listen to you. And Lord, we're sorry if we've been so impatient that we've not persisted in waiting on you. And Lord, we're sorry if we've heard you and doubted it was you and did nothing with it. But Lord, we thank you for your grace. And we ask, Lord, would you come speak again? Lord, would you help shape our lives to be listeners, to hear what you're saying and those who act upon your word? And particularly, Lord, I ask, Lord, that you would help us to be people who share your word with others. Lord, maybe everyone individually needs to pray this in their own heart, but Lord, I tell you, Lord, I'm open, Lord, for you to speak to me for someone else, that it will be a blessing to them in Jesus' name. Amen.